Are you prepared for solo aging? We'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Is everybody ready for the Mind Dog to make the show? Start the clock. And welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here as always. Been a strange week uh, for everybody, but even a stranger week on the show. Uh, glad we made it to Friday. That's <laughs> all I can say. Uh, very strange times we're living in. Very uh, uneasy, uneasy times we're living in. Hopefully, uh, this program will be a break from all the insanity we've all been experiencing for for a week. And it certainly is a non-threatening. <laughs> subject we'll be talking about today if you uh are a listener of the program you know me at all you know my mantra i uh never grow up so i never go old <laughs> but today we're going to talk all about aging and uh, uh specifically um the, the condition of aging as a solo person no children no spouse uh and the the preparation and planning uh in order to have a a more comfortable aging uh, period for people. Uh, it's a, a, a subject they think that we don't think enough about, and so uh, hopefully it'll be a nice, quiet, um, non-threatening, um, uneventful, un informative program, and I hope you'll stick with me uh, through it. Now, before I bring in my guest, who is a foremost expert and pretty much alone in the niche of helping people uh, plan for solo aging retirement. Uh, before I bring her in, I need to talk about a couple of sponsors. I have two sponsors today. Today's program is uh, brought to you by Audiobooks Now. Uh, Audiobooks Now is an audiobooks supplier. What else would they be? And you know about the convenience of audiobooks. Uh, you've heard me talk about it day in and day out for a long time now. Um, so why Audiobooks Now? Dot com when you can get audiobooks just about any place on the internet. Well, it's just simple. It's price point, price point, price point, price point. Audiobooks Now Club Pricing Plan is simply the best deal on audiobooks you'll find. It offers a savings and flexibility not found anywhere else with their save on everything discounts, rollovers, exclusive offers, loyalty program, uh, incredible selection, and cancel anytime policy. It simply cannot be beat. Plus, get a free premium audiobook on select titles. And to up the offer just a little bit, if you click the link in the, in the description today, you're going to start a 30-day free trial of their club pricing plan, which is usually $4.99 a month. Uh, it's absolutely free for 30 days to try. If you're not happy with it, you just cancel and you won't be billed a penny. It's audiobooksnow.com. The link is in the description. I do appreciate you patronizing audiobooksnow.com. Today's show is also brought to you by FunWise Capital. FunWise Capital is a business lender matching platform that gets you the best credit lines guaranteed. You can apply online in 60 seconds or less, and there's no effect to your credit to see how much you can get. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. That's right. I did say start. If you don't have a business yet, but you got a solid business plan, they can help you get funding. Uh, get the best funding you can qualify for. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest at 9 to 15 months, unsecured term loans, loans based on income, short-term gap funding, or bridge loans. They work with real estate, startups, as I mentioned, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started with them, it's really, really simple. You just go to apply.funwise.com slash minddog, apply.funwise.com slash minddog. And I do appreciate you patronizing all our sponsors and uh, hope, hope it all works out for you. Uh, as I mentioned, today's program is about planning for solo aging, solo retirement. Uh, Dr. Sarah Zeff-Geber is a recipient of the Influers Influencers in Aging designation by PBS uh, Next Avenue. She's an author, uh, a retirement transition coach, and professional speaker on retirement and aging. Dr. Geber is the author of the book, Essential Retirement Planning for Solo Agers, a Retirement and Aging Roadmap for Single and Childless, Child 
<laughs> child with adult, not childish adults. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome in Dr. Sarah Zeff Geber. Dr. Geber, welcome. Thank you. Thank uh, so, you. Speaking of uh, childish adults, uh, <laughs> uh, so as I mentioned, I um, thank you for coming, by the way. Um, my mantra, because I, I, I've just been in denial my entire life that I was ever going to get old. Uh, or even live this long. I never thought I'd live past 54. I was certain I would <laughs> die at 54 years old. Long story behind that. But uh, So now that I'm getting old, I, I think there's probably a lot of people like me who live in denial about uh, the fact that we are going to get older in, in some cases. And in many cases, I think people uh, without children, if they're in a couple, I'd, at some point they're going to be a alone anyway because one of one of the spouses is going to pass and then we're going to find ourselves alone. So what are, you know, some of the things people need to think about and how early do they start, need to start considering the things that we're going to be talking about today? Well, Matt, I just first want to say that you're not alone. Sometimes I refer to the baby boom generation as uh, the Peter Pan generation. Just nobody, nobody wants to get old. Nobody wants to think about getting old. Nobody wants to do anything about it in the way of planning. Now, that's not across the board. Of course, many people have done some planning. Um, but solo agers are in a kind of unique situation because if you look around you, what you see is a lot of people in their 50s and 60s taking care of their aging parents. And at one point in my life, I, I looked at so many of my friends doing that and I said to my husband, and I am married, uh, who's gonna do that for us? Because we don't have kids. So that began a whole uh, level of, of inquiry for me, a whole search project to figure out what, what solo agers could do differently or in a more robust way than our counterparts who are parents to really prepare for getting older. It's, it, it's a safety net that we're lacking. It's not that people who have kids are planning on relying on their kids. I mean, <laughs> most people aren't. Most people have sworn that they don't want to. But you know, what I've noticed is when push comes to shove, those kids step up to the plate and help. Whether help means moving their parents into some kind of uh, aggregate congregate living situation like assisted living or a continuing retirement community or even, God forbid, a nursing home. Um, or they even move, move in with them. I've known people that have had to take a leave of absence from their jobs because their parent needed care and they couldn't afford to put them in any kind of care home. So they moved in with them to take care of them or they moved the parent in with them. So there's all kinds of, of solutions to that problem that people have found. Um, and you know, the, the roles kind of get reversed. The, the adult children are now kind of taking care of their aging parents that took care of them when they were growing up. But solo agers, people who don't have children, or by the way, people whose children live 9,000 miles away or whose children are estranged or somehow just kind of failed to become functional adults. And there's, you know, there's plenty of that too. Um, they're really in the same situation. So, However you or your, for maybe a friend of yours or a relative, however they came to be a solo ager, um, there is some planning to do if we're going to be safe and secure uh, in our older life. Right. Well, we're seeing right now, what we're seeing is a twofold thing that is going to, in my view, make this problem more uh more prolific, I guess, is I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for, but uh, there's going to be a lot more of it in the future. And those two <laughs> things are uh, we're seeing an epidemic of young people dying uh, uh, from uh, opiate addiction or whatever, but a lot of young people are dying uh, in, in their 30s and so. So people are losing their children. Yeah. And, and then we're seeing also a very large trend of people not having children. Uh, so I, I think, you know, 
40 years, 50 years down the road, we're going to see a lot more people in that situation where they're growing older and don't have any children. And, uh, you know, the, whether, whether it's ethical or the right thing to do, well, you know, depending on your children to take care of you is, um, is not always, you know, <laughs> the best way to go anyway you should you should kind of plan for yourself and try to at least have some kind of uh, idea roadmap of what where you're going to be if you if you are fortunate enough to live long enough uh right. so wh- where do you start with that and and again it is it is it something that people should be thinking about at a very young age like you know um if i'm planning on not having children i should be considering what's going to happen when i'm 80 right Exactly, exactly. And of course, Matt, I don't know how old you are, but I know now that you're over 54. So yeah. that's not too, 54 is not too young to start thinking about this. I'm in my 60s. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're definitely not too young to be thinking about it, and neither is anybody else in their 50s or 60s, and certainly um, beyond that in their 70s or 80s. What a lot of people start with is some kind of estate plan. And that's a, that's a pretty common thing. Um, on the other hand, some people avoid it because they don't want to go to a lawyer, thinking the lawyers are terribly expensive, and, and they are expensive. But I've learned that getting an estate plan done by an attorney um, can cost as little as somewhere under $1,000, or it can cost as much as several thousand dollars, depending on the attorney you choose depending on where you live, blah, blah, blah. Um, An estate plan generally consists of a will and possibly a trust, depending on what you've accumulated and um, whether you own a home. Sometimes attorneys suggest you put that into a trust that doesn't have to go through probate when you die. You've probably heard that mantra before. But in addition to a will and a trust, it's important for everyone, not just solo agers, to have advanced directives for their own health care. And that means finding someone, choosing someone in your life that you trust to speak for you if you can't speak for yourself. Because sometimes what happens in life is we have um, an emergency that renders us unable to speak for ourselves for some period of time. Now, I, I had a neighbor that is in his 60s. Um, he and his wife live next door to us. And one morning we saw a fire engine outside their house and then an ambulance. And I let a couple hours go by because this was pretty early in the morning. And I texted my friend and I said, what was up with the ambulance and the fire truck? Well, her, her husband had had a seizure in the middle of the night. And within a day or two, they had discovered that he had contracted viral meningitis, not COVID. This is a different kind of virus. But he was in the hospital for 10 days, completely unable to, he, he had very little normal cognition. In other words, he wasn't thinking straight. He couldn't communicate. And his wife was his, was his spokesperson. Now that's, a normal thing that will happen, hospitals won't say, well, who can speak for this person if their spouse is right there. If your spouse is not there or you do not have a spouse, you need to designate someone who will come into the hospital and be your spokesperson. And legally, that can be absolutely anyone you choose. If you are a solo, if you're not a solo ager, you probably would want to designate one of your children if they live in some kind of reasonable proximity. If not, you probably want to designate somebody who does live close to you. For solo agers, you're going to want to find someone, maybe a relative, maybe a niece or a nephew, um, or even the son or daughter of a good friend that lives close to you. Now, I'm not talking about children here. I'm talking about adult children, adult offspring. People at least are in their 20s, maybe 30s. And when you choose someone to to have your advanced directive. And by the way, so this goes for the, the fourth piece of estate planning, which is powers of attorney. You're gonna to wanna to choose a power of attorney for finances to, in a sense, take, take over for you and pay your bills, decide uh, what um, where your money is gonna be allocated to during the time that you can't speak for yourself. 
um, someone obviously that you trust. And these are the kinds of things that adult children usually do for their aging parents. Now, maybe you will recover like my neighbor finally did, or maybe you won't. Maybe it's a stroke. Maybe it's something that will put you um, in a condition where you really cannot maintain those functions for yourself. Now, you know, Matt said at the beginning of the show, this is going to be non-controversial. <laughs> and whatnot and, and non-threatening. But you know, I realize as I'm saying those words, and I've realized it many times before, that this is not a non-threatening topic. It's really scary for most people. It's scary to think about our own demise. It's oh, scary yeah, to no, think about preparing I, for that. I, I completely <laughs> appreciate that. I just mean from a point of, it's not like we're, we're <laughs> all the craziness <laughs> that we see on the news this week. It's not uh, anxiety level. Uh, <laughs> 10 plus or you know defcon 5 where we we seeing people rioting in the streets over it that's yeah yeah probably that won't happen <laughs> but but you bring up a good point it is something that um it really is uh, a lot very important and it is threatening in a lot of ways for people to and they don't. I think a lot of people don't realize. And my mom was a perfect example of this. Uh, my my dad passed uh, at fifty four, <laughs> so which is where I got that number from. But every every male in his family did. But my mom was alone from the time she was because she was the same age as him. Uh, she was fifty three when he passed, and she lived to be eighty six, and did not uh, foresee. Um, what it would be like to be not even just um, all the financial stuff, just to be able to take care of yourself in a home, a house that you built and you wanted to maintain. This is your house. This is your home that you built. At some point it becomes unmanageable when you're, you're single. And if you don't have uh, adult children living in near proximity, taking care of a house or taking care of yourself, just making meals for yourself could be a challenge when you reach your mid eighties or, and, and so uh, all those things that people need to take into consideration for when they get old uh, and who is going to help them manage their life be even beyond the financial aspect of it. It's just doing day-to-day -day normal necessary things to live. Uh, who's going to cook their meals for them and things like that. Uh, so, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really challenging situation and we, we're going to see uh, because people are living longer, but you know, people still die young. And so couples who didn't intend on growing old as a solo person find themselves in that situation a lot, right? That's right. That's right. And one of the things I didn't mention early on is Matt was absolutely right when he said more people maybe are not having children. The issue for us as baby boomers is that more people did not have children. And the, the rate of childlessness in of the in the baby boomer generation is almost double what it was for previous generations. So previous generations throughout time, as long as we've been measuring it, the right the level of childlessness or child free, as I like to sometimes call it, uh, was about ten percent. Now that kind of mirrors the infertility rate, men and women. So you have people always that couldn't have children. Uh, maybe they wanted to very badly, but they ended up either just not having children or they adopted or whatever. But for the baby boomers, there were a lot of different things going on. We had the push for equal rights for women, which went a long way, even though the ERA was never totally ratified. But it opened doors for women to colleges and universities, to professions that they had never been able to aspire to before. And of course, what was the important thing that happened in the late 60s? We got the pill. So women now had complete choice and sovereignty over their own bodies. And many women, and I include myself, decided that having children was not the script that we wanted to follow. So that led to a rate of almost 20% of, of women being child-free. 19.4% exactly. That's huge. When you right. figure if you look around you at baby boomer women, one in five of them almost doesn't have children. So um, 
there was obviously some remarriages going on and there's a lot of women raising stepkids and all kinds of different combinations. But in fact, women did not have children at a much higher rate back in the, in the late 60s and 70s than ever before. Right. So you have a lot of people who are solo agers. Now you've got a lot of what they're calling gray divorce. And that leads a lot of women to be solo unexpectedly later in life. So we got a lot of factors going on, and you mentioned several of them, Matt. And yeah, you um, know, uh, it occurs to me that, uh, and I appreciate that, you know, people who are, are childless by choice and all that stuff. But a lot, I I actually know uh, quite a few because I I volunteer in adult uh, assisted living programs and mm -hmm. uh, nursing homes. For, for, I, play, I play music and basically just go to yeah. entertain them, but. Um, uh, what I see and what I know is there are people who actually have children. Um, they might as well be childless when it comes to help help with the support. I know somebody who's got has five children and none of them come to visit him or even know that really know what's going on with him. So the, you know it, that solo aging thing can even happen. To, my point, I guess, is that solo aging can act, actually happen even if you have several children. And because mindset and selfishness, whatever it is, uh, and sometimes, sometimes we we reap what we sow, and and never had that kind of relationship with our children. They don't want anything to do with us when we get older, too. So it's not exclusively to people who intentionally didn't have children for mindset stuff, but also, as you mentioned, that there was a mindset shift among women uh, to not have children. I think around the 60s and 70s and what for a variety of reasons and so you see a lot of those people uh now um and and here's the thing i think a lot of and i i'm i could be wrong about this and i don't want to say this speak out of out of um, ignorance here but i think a lot of women still see the man in the relationship as a strong, you know, the strength of it, right? And so when I get old, we're going to be a couple, and he's going to be there, and he'll always take care of me. But then he dies, <laughs> or uh, or is not really capable of being strong. You know, he loses his some capacity and some facility when he gets older, and isn't that bedrock? So I think a lot of women probably find themselves in, wow, I should have planned a little bit better uh, situation when they when they reach seventy or eighty. Yes. Well, I can't agree with you totally on that. I think more and more women <laughs> women are the strong ones in a relationship. Oh, I and agree. They are the strong ones, but they kind of uh, there's still a mindset of, you know, I don't have to worry he'll always be there for me. <laughs> financially, you mean mostly? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that there is still some relics of that possibly. Um, I certain one of the things I certainly do see is that women tend to do better on their own than men. Uh -huh. <laughs> men in many cases are absolutely devastated when their wives die before them. Right. Um, well, men are <laughs> men are conditioned, uh, whether it's uh, through our own ignorance or whatever. Men have always had a woman to take care of us. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. whether it was a uh, mom, girlfriend, wife, whatever. At some point, we get used to and soft, and then we get old, and that person isn't there to take care of us anymore, right. and we don't have any clue on how to live. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. So it's it can be sad both ways. Um, women. Um, Women tend to figure it out. You know, they tend to figure out who's going to sort out the taxes. They tend to figure out who's going to get up and clear the gutters. But uh, men often don't figure out how they're going to have a, a social life without the, without the woman there. So there's, there's certainly uh, problems on both sides. And in many cases, adult children for those who have children, rush in and kind of fill some of that void. And in, in healthy families, I see that happening all the time. Um, for those who know that, they're, that they are going to be solo agers because they don't have kids or functioning kids, um, there's a lot of planning that can be done ahead of time. And it, it's wonderful, Matt, that you go into, um, I assume, assisted living communities and 
uh, different kinds of congregate living communities and do your music probably not in the last year or so but right um, that's, that's it's that. like january 3rd of last year it's been almost exactly a year since i've been yeah <laughs> yeah well hopefully we'll be doing that again soon but you know one of the things people don't understand we've been reading a lot about the horror of nursing homes and a lot of people believe that all kinds of i call it congregate living that's kind of the the industry term, that they're all the same. Congregate living for older people are all the same, and they're so wrong about that. There's been a lot of tragedy in nursing homes, and for lots of interesting reasons. Um, AARP just did a phenomenal expose recently and published it in their bulletin. But there's other kinds of congregate living that I, I think that people should still consider um, they didn't have anywhere near the kind of, of infection rate and fatality rate that actual nursing homes did. And that's private assisted living communities, continuing care communities, life plan communities. These are all, these are all terms that if you start looking into where you might live when you get older, um, these are the terms you'll, you'll learn about. I always encourage solo agers to strongly consider how they're going to avoid being isolated and lonely later in life. And we've all had a taste of what it is to be lonely in this last year. Right. It's very tough. And when you think about whether that's going to happen to you when you get older, and maybe if, if you have at least had a spouse to keep you company these last nine months, um, you haven't been terribly lonely. But I know a lot of people who have gone through this all by themselves, just living in their own apartments or their own homes. Um, hopefully they have a dog or a cat to keep them company, but it's it's been a real nightmare. And that's the kind of nightmare that we want to avoid when we get older. Because right. like, like it or not, our world shrinks as we get older. Most people end up giving up the car keys when they're somewhere in their 80s. Um, I've known people that have had to give them up when they're 60s. Um, I'm, you know, we all yeah. postpone that as long as possible, but yes, we now have Uber and Lyft and, and businesses like that to help. Um, but that can be a major demarcation line for people getting older, especially if you live in the suburbs or places where public transportation doesn't really reach. Right. So, um, those are all things that people need to think about. Think about is uh, one thing, but it strikes me that, um, sadly, as as it seems, um, many people, even older people in their 60s or so, still live paycheck to paycheck. And um, it, planning financially for this kind of stuff can be uh, difficult when, yes. when you don't have, uh, you know, disposable income beyond your bills, beyond your means. So you're living paycheck to paycheck all the time. Making this kind of plan for some of this stuff, it can be difficult. You're right about the nursing home and assisted living program because I see many of them and my wife works in one and one of my best friends works in is an administrator in one. I see many of them. I see hundreds of them because of my volunteer work and they are not all the same. There are lots of different ones. But I think uh, what I want to ask you about and i said this would be non-threatening or non-controversial <laughs> there is uh, a big tendency now or uh, still a a situation where people who live in homes houses that they bought uh will do a reverse mortgage at say 65 years old and then uh i'll kind of depend on that uh income and i always feel like you know there's a good part of that possibly but it seems a little predatory in that at some point people are going to lose their house do you have any um advice or insight on that whole practice of reverse mortgaging a house you know it is a two-edged sword um very much a two-edged sword and i strongly encourage people who ask me about it to talk to a financial advisor and really look at the long-range implications of doing something like that because if you do that and then you have to give up the house which is now not which now 20 years or 15 or even 10 years later you probably don't have a lot of equity left because that has been paid to you over the years now you're left with almost nothing 
and you may need to find a place where you can be taken care of because people often cannot meet their own needs for care. And that's when you end up going into one of those dreaded nursing homes, which right. uh, anyway, yeah, we've seen what happens with those. So I, I'm not totally against it. I think if people have a long range plan, in other words, people who do have children, if they make an, a, an agreement, either it doesn't have to be written, but just a verbal agreement that if I need, if I cannot stay in this house and I've now lost all the value in it, I'll need to, you to help me figure it out. I'll need you to help me figure out how to, um, uh, how to live with, with one of the kids, how to live with you or have someone come in and how to pay for having someone come in to help me. <clears throat> um, I want to kind of morph that discussion into the whole issue of aging in place. And that, of course, is the watchword today. AARP made it. <clears throat> they publicized widely the fact that in their survey, about 80% of people in their 50s and 60s say they want to age in place. What does that mean? What does it mean? Exactly. How are you defining that? If aging in place means to you that you're going to stay in your two or three story suburban home on a cul-de-sac somewhere where you barely know your neighbors, I'm telling you that's a recipe for disaster. Right. You, you, take, you got to take care of a house. You have to take care of the yard. All that stuff is work that it's is work. meant for young people. <laughs> that's right. And unless you have so much money that you can just throw money at everything that you need to get done and then pay to have people come in and take care of you, you know, that sounds really lonely to me. Right. I don't want I don't want to do that. I don't want people coming in to take care of me. I want to be in some kind of a community. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody wants or needs to go into assisted living or a continuing care retirement community. Um, it can mean that you find people to live with. And, and in fact, your question, Matt, about what if you really are living paycheck to paycheck? What about folks like that? You know, there's a, a large growing movement right now of home sharing. So people come together, people who are like-minded, maybe they've known each other for a bunch of years, um, they're friends, and now they need to learn how to live together so that they can help each other, support each other, combine their incomes, combine the expense of having a small home somewhere. Uh, that's a very viable solution for people. Right. There that's, are, that's a great thing. And, uh, you know, I, I would think, <laughs> uh, be, uh, and again, I'm probably ignorant on this, but I would think the, the baby boomer, boomer generation, the people who are teenage hippies, would be pretty open <laughs> to that idea of house sharing. It just seems like it was part of the culture anyway. So now, now that we, we're all sure, why not uh, play, you know, commune again or whatever <laughs> that whole idea you know cohabitation yes. yeah I, I hope so i hope so i think people are more and more opening their minds to it there's also a growing phenomenon called co-housing uh, i don't know if you've ever heard of that matt but the uh if <clears throat> if any of you that are listening are curious you can google cohousing.com or cohousing.org i think they lead you now to the same place um there are a couple hundred co-housing communities around the country and it's growing all the time. Now, co-housing is a way to have and contribute to a community where people live usually in small cottages or even many of them look more like a condominium complex and they share some meals together each week. Um, they plan activities together. Everyone has their own complete home, so you really never have to participate in any of that. But people who like the idea of co-housing actively and willingly participate in running the community and, and being kind of creating um, almost more of a family-like situation among them. Now, these are usually fairly small. 20 to 30 units, not, not a big complex, um, but 
the people who live there run it themselves, unlike moving into an active adult community where you're in a similar kind of situation and there's somebody else, but there's somebody else that's kind of calling the shots a little bit at least. There's um, some governance beyond the people that live there. Right. So, you know, I just, let me just say that I encourage anyone who feels like they're going to be a solo ager to just start looking into these things. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt to just check them out. Check them out online. Uh, when we're finally freed of this purgatory, go check them out in person. Find out the difference between uh, assisted living and a nursing home. Uh, find out the difference between continuing care communities and independent living and active adult communities. There's all kinds of levels of these sorts of communities that you might live in. And you're right. It takes a little, it takes a bit of wealth. You have to have accumulated some assets, at least a home that you're, that you can sell and some level of income that'll allow you to live in one of those places. So check out what they cost. Um, I have never met a person who made the move who regretted it. Right. Well, it it occurs to me that, well, there's a couple of things listening to you talk there. First of all, um, fear can be a great motivator. (laughs) And so I think people need to, uh, because uh, when we earlier, you talked about the uh, differences between facilities and things like that. Generally the difference between facilities, uh, quality care and all that stuff comes down to money. Uh, And I've been in some of the the, uh, facilities that are very expensive and they're great care and people have a great quality of life. And it seems more like an adult community, even though it's a nursing home, because people are uh, kept in very good shape and they have great care and all that stuff. And then there's the ones that are poor or or less expensive and people are in there and they get stuck in with there with mental patients because, uh, you know, uh, we, we don't have mental hospitals anymore so if somebody is uh, uh, mentally ill they just put them in a nursing home and so you're going to end up in those situations i think people seeing that going there and visiting it and seeing what the situations are, are like especially if you don't have a whole lot of money uh planned for your retirement or get or your aging period uh seeing what you might be up against might be a motivator to start planning a little better <laughs> yeah uh, uh and also the the thing is uh, if you volunteer and you start to give back and go see those people now while you're in your fifties or sixties, um, first of all, it will get, it will help prepare you for what, what the life is like at that, at uh, some point, but also, mm-hmm. um, you, you're doing a valuable service and hopefully some of that will, uh, come back to you when you need it again, because if you don't have, uh, children and you'll, uh, adult children, you're looking at that, point of your life where can be very lonely it's never too soon to start making friends and again if you're in your 50s and 60s go to take care volunteer in some nursing homes um and get to know what that life is like maybe keep you uh, a little more active a little more younger and maybe you make some support community (laughs) a support system yeah absolutely um i just couldn't agree with you more matt it, I, I have many try, times encouraged people to volunteer. And when you look for them, look for something that's called an assisted living community or a continuing care community. Nursing homes are for the very old and frail and usually people who are on government subsidized care. That's not what we're talking about. That's what you want to try to avoid. You want to try to get into a situation where you're living with people you trust and come to love, whether it's friends or um, ideally um, a house sharing situation would be among people of different generations. Maybe you have a home that's somewhere near a college or university and you can offer a reduced rent to a college student to come and live there and help you with the chores. Uh, There's all kinds of solutions to all kinds of different situations. I strongly encourage people to downsize. I strongly encourage people to get rid of those two-story houses and move into a convenient apartment or condominium that's that's a, um, a flat that's on one level. Get to know their neighbors. That's a community too. And the earlier you do it, the easier it'll be 
and the more chance you'll have of really building a community there. Right. Um, and a lot of people say, well, how do I, you know, I don't, I'm losing all my friends. How do I make new friends? Well, there are so, so many ways to, to make new friends, but you have to put yourself out there. Right. You have to join, you have to join some kind of an organization that you are interested in, whether it's a book club, a chess club, um, a golfing group, um, people who uh, go to classes, join some of the um, adult education classes. Now, you know, I'm talking beyond COVID and someday there will be a beyond COVID and we'll all have our lives back again. Maybe not quite the way they were, but some semblance of normalcy. And we can think about doing those things and think about getting together with people. But you have to be a bit of a joiner. Um, if you belong to a church or a synagogue or a mosque or some, um, a dojo, uh, some kind of, value and belief based uh, organization that works too. Um, I know so, so many people now that have joined that have rejoined an old church that they used to go to or a new church that a friend goes to that sounded interesting, or a synagogue or you know, any place of worship, solely for the social benefits. Right. Uh, and that's, well, it's valid. That's valid. You don't have to be a believer. Just right. join for the congregational benefits. Uh, I'm glad you're such an optimist on the COVID thing. Uh, um, I can't say I ne necessarily share that optimism, but I'm glad to. I always ask people about that, where, where they uh, feel about this and what they see. You know, nobody has a crystal ball, but I'm glad you no. have. But uh, I want to kind of take this into because of what you just talked about. You know, my mom became a literacy volunteer at, for adult literacy volunteers in her 60s and had that purpose. I get in a lot of trouble when I, when I talk about this because we have talked about aging and retirement before on the program, and I got a lot of hate mail for saying what I'm about to say, so I'm <laughs> expecting to get more. I, I, I feel like you need, at some in some area of your life, you need to stay purpose and driven to have a reason to live, especially yeah. when you get older. And I think if you don't, you that's when you die. You start to die, even if it's a slow drip. But not having a purpose, not having something to do with your life is the most important thing to, uh, to maintaining some kind of quality in your life. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, I totally, totally agree. I can't believe you got hate mail, hate mail over that statement. Well, you know what? It was from young people who were planning uh, to retire and just go to Florida and play shuffleboard their whole life. And yeah, they'll they, learn. It, it, yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know, because people, a lot of people who get into a, a career that they're not really passionate about and they just look to that end when I can retire from this career and then they don't think about, well, what am I going to actually do? do with my life once I get out of this prison that I signed up for for 30 years to, to get my <laughs> paycheck from and and so and uh, when I say life. that I right I just I, I discourage people from living a passionless uh, a passionless career and get something you know but at those people who have signed on to a passionless career they're looking at at the end of it and then they're looking at any past that and I always say that means you're planning to die young and that that's where the hate mail comes in and I don't mean it to be mean I just mean like you have to have a reason to get up in the morning you have to have something that that drives you and keeps you adding quality and adding value to the to the planet we're on or uh, you're planning to die whether you know it or not <laughs> yeah I you know I 99% I agree with you Matt although I have to say I have met some people whose mission in life seems to be 18 holes of golf a day but um, for the most part I completely agree with you it, it doesn't look the same for everyone people pick up interests in art in music all kinds of things that they weren't able to pursue before because they didn't have the time um, but it can look so so many different ways it doesn't mean that you have to go spend three afternoons a week in a soup kitchen it right. just doesn't look the same for everyone but most people find a way to 
to add meaning and purpose to their life. Right. And it said that people who hated their jobs, that wasn't meaning and purpose anyway. That was just a means to a paycheck. But Maybe. even if you find yourself in that situation, you can be thinking about what do you want to do when you when you have that pension? What what dreams and aspirations did you put on hold when you were 20 and had to support a start supporting a family that everybody's interested in something? Right. Well, and, and uh, on your point about the people who just uh, can get by the golf stuff is is fun i think as long as you're passionate about the golf stuff i think the point point is if you're just going there and just going through the motions of because you have nothing better to do and can't figure out and golf is the most convenient outlet that's going to end up uh shortening your life and and giving you an empty life but if you if you get to that age and you're you can't wait to get to the golf course and, and you you have a purpose and there's nothing yeah. wrong with nothing that, wrong with that. <laughs> right you know yeah. uh, but yeah. i i think think that's the point and 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 i think that's glad i'm glad you made that distinction because that will probably get a little less hate mail from from it but <laughs> the, the idea that you know it's not there's nothing wrong with anything that you find purpose in uh it could be crocheting but if it, whatever it is yeah gardening yeah, you know, do it like you you still have a reason to be on the planet and instead of, you know, I'm just waiting to, for my time to be up. Uh, yeah. And we can see that even at 30. I had, well, you know, a motivational speaker said, you know, people are uh, living to 80, but they, they die at, at 30. Uh, mm, that's sad. <laughs> yeah, they just stop having a purpose or being driven about anything and living a purposeless life. Yeah. It's, it's it's difficult but uh so that's part of it though it's not just the financial planning it's the planning for um how do i want to live when when i don't have to do this for a living anymore and, and mm -hmm. what what's my life going to look like i think a lot of people just shy away from it whether it's for fear of you know our own mortality or whatever it is it's it's a very uncomfortable thing it's like picking out like a funeral plot or something like that people just avoid it because they don't want to think about it uh but yeah. they, they need to think about it right <laughs> they do they do and and there's all kinds of different answers for different people some people just <clears throat> do love their work um it continues to be challenging to them they continue to have all their mental faculties and work helps them stay sharp and they keep working into their 70s and 80s and you know there's people that are still working in their 90s so nothing's impossible these days and we're kind of in the in the process of retiring the word retirement um, or at least it's going to mean something very different uh, now we talk more about retirement age so people in their mid to late 60s are thinking about the, the what's next in their lives. And that's a great way to think about it. What's next for me? Whether what's next is uh, finally getting around to um, creating a, uh, a garden in, the, in your backyard that looks like a park or um, volunteering in a, an animal shelter where you can spend six days a week just taking care of, of homeless animals. Um, and helping them get adopted. It just could be anything. You don't right. have to work with people. You don't have to either, ever see another person. Although um, I certainly do encourage people to continue to be social, continue to be part of some kind of community, because um, that, that will add to your life in the long run in just in innumerable ways. Um, you know, obviously, as I mentioned, people don't have crystal balls, but uh, we're looking at uh, this time we're living in right now and uh, i'm just wondering if uh, you know for somebody who's 20 or 30 years old right now looking at what it might look like to be retirement age for them it's going to be a whole different world and yeah. uh, you know so where does and because you said earlier it's never too you're never too young to start planning for this thing and i agree with that uh but you know when you're 20 and 30 you don't believe you're ever going to really be uh, in that condition, or you, you can't really process, uh, uh, you know, my body isn't going to be as, as, <laughs> as functional <laughs> at, at some point. It's a hard to accept. So, you know, for somebody who's young today and wants, I, I imagine you don't speak to a lot of people who are in their 20s and 30s, right? I don't, but what I, but I do read about them and I do have friends that have kids 
And um, one of the interesting things that I've been reading a lot about is the savings rate among young people has really gone up. Um, people are, are, young people are paying attention to what's going on and, and looking at <clears throat> the sheer number of people who are absolutely destitute when they're in their 60s and 70s and saying, I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm going to start saving now. And that's a wonderful thing, I think. Yeah, that's a very good thing. That's a, that's a reason for optimism right there because, uh, you know, my generation, I'm of the late, the late cusp of the boomers. I was born in 1959. So mm -hmm. uh, that's not exactly post-war babies. It's, that's <laughs> much, you know, it's, it's far, yeah. even far removed from the Korean War. But so I, uh, but they still lump us in with the boomers. But my generation came up with this idea uh, or, or got the mindset of we're never going to get old. We're, you know, uh, I'm, yeah. I hope I die before I get old was part of the, the rock anthems <laughs> we sang and all that stuff. So we never really even gave much thought to it. A lot of us uh, got to midlife and say, oh, my God, I am going to get old now. I better start planning now. And, and you said earlier, again, you said it's never, it's never too young, but can it be too late to kind of uh, start to start planning like for, for some of the stuff, uh, 50s and 60s, it's a little late to get on board. We're trying to have a estate planning uh, situation, isn't it? No, not, not at all. Um, most people actually start their estate planning when they're in their 50s or 60s. Um, some people, I don't, advocate this, I think everyone should have a will, no matter how old you are, um, and an advanced directive. But if you don't have an advanced directive yet, and you're in your 50s and 60s, at least do that. At least know who's going to be able to speak for you if you cannot. Because things just happen. I mean, like my totally functional um, 60, I think about 60-year-old neighbor who was filled recently by that illness, now he's fine again, but he's one of these big, strong, hard-charging guys that has a, a professional engineering job during the day and then come home, comes home and remodels his house single-handedly. Wow. I mean, that's the kind of guy we're talking about. We're not talking about a, um, a person who was uh, weak or sickly to begin with. So things can happen. Auto accidents can happen. Um, lots of things can happen when we're younger. And certainly they start to happen when, when we're older. The statistics tell us that 70% of us are going to need some kind of aid as we get older, at least for some period of time in our life. Now, whether that's to recuperate from a knee replacement or a shoulder replacement or whether that's to recover from a stroke, we just don't know. As Matt has said many times, we don't have a crystal ball. And that's the mantra that, I hope you'll remember is that we just don't know. Just because you have good genes doesn't mean you inherited them necessarily. And it doesn't mean that you also have good luck. Right. So we, we, I, I'm at, at heart, I'm a planner. I just, I like to look into the future and say, well, um, how can I be better prepared if this happens or if that happens? doesn't mean that I lead a life of, of fear and, and looking over my shoulder all the time. Um, I just like, I lead a happier life feeling that I've planned for some of, at least some of the eventualities that, that may befall me. But it's never, ever too late to start building a bigger community around you. And that's probably of all the things that I think are important as we get older. To me, that is the most important thing is that you have friends and people to talk to, people to be with, um, people to ideally to live with. So right. it, to me, the, one of the saddest things that's come out of this aging in place movement is a lot of isolated seniors living in their homes that they can't really even take care of anymore. Aging in place doesn't have to mean aging in your two or three story, 2,500 square foot suburban home. Right. Downsize and age in place in your downsized environment. At least that's more functional for you as a human being. My wife used to beat me up all the time because I have put when when I guess when I reached fifty, I started saying we need to start downsizing, and, and she I, and she got so sick of hearing that word. But <laughs> we, what do we need all this for? What what do we need? You know, it's just the two of us. Of course, now it's not just the two of us. It, 
we have adult children living with us. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> my wife isn't. She she loves that. You know, I guess maybe she feared being alone with me. For, <laughs> but uh, on what you said before, I wanted to kind of uh, add to it because you said um, uh, just because you have uh, good genes don't doesn't mean you should expect to live long and healthy lives. I get, and I totally agree with that. But I want to say to people out there, just because you have lousy genes does not do not expect that you're going to die at 54 and and not not be around because that could be even worse because then you fail to plan. I always right. I, I quote Mickey Mickey Mantle a lot who said if I would have known I was going to live this long I'd have taken better care of myself. <laughs> but yeah. you know uh, he had a similar situation with me where he expected to die at 55 because everybody in his father's uh, family had Hodgkin's disease and died by the time they were 55. I had a similar situation where my my father, every male in his family died at 54. So my brother and I both wow. thought we, 54 was our number. My brother is now in his 70s, and I'm in my 60s. And here there we are. Go. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and failed to plan for being this old. So uh, I never thought I would live past 54. So it kind of shocked me to be this old. And now I, I'm enjoying life, but I I know I should have planned better. I should have taken better <laughs> care of myself. And I hope if young people are listening to this and they have that same belief, that you know, who cares about what I get old? I, I'm not going to make it that long. You kind of uh, there's a, a strong possibility you are. So kind of take stop playing. Yeah, the thing to remember is that medical science now can keep us alive in a lot of different conditions that used to kill us. So you, <laughs> if you have diabetes or you're right. very overweight or you have a heart condition or you've had cancer. Um, and you're listening to this show, obviously you're still alive and medical science may be able to keep you that way through um, drugs and um, all sorts of, of uh, implantation devices that were never able to keep people alive through before. So there's going to be, so do, the question is, do you want to live like that or do you want to live a healthy, vibrant life? which you can really only attain through a pretty healthy lifestyle. I should have had my, my vital C, uh, one of our sponsors who, who is on this program normally, they're not the sponsor of today's program, unfortunately. I should have signed them up for today, though. They uh, offer a product. <laughs> uh, when I, I had the guy on, the uh, founder of the – he. The product is here anyway. Uh, let me give them a free plug. Uh, My Vital C, and I had Chris Burris, who's the uh, uh, CEO of that company, on, and he said uh, it can improve your lifespan by ninety percent. I was like, well, I don't want to live to I don't want to live to one hundred and forty. He said, what if you could maintain the quality of life that you have now? I said, well, that changes everything. Because uh, when I think about living to one hundred forty, I think about somebody who's just a wheelchair bound, just a a shell of a human well, brain inside of a dysfunctional body but according to to him and all the research on this you can maintain your uh quality and functionality for much longer using the product so i think that's the most important part and staying young and young and vital as you get older and again i I hate to sound like a broken record but part of that is to uh have a reason to stay young or or to, to live have a reason having a reason to live can add years to your life um I have the URL for your website. Uh, it's scrolling across the bottom. It's been there the whole show. It's sarahzefgeber.com, all one word. Uh, and they can get your books there. Actually, it's a link to Amazon. There you go. <laughs> oh, hold on. Hold that up for one more second here. There you go. Nice. Okay. We got it. Um, so uh, that's available on your website. But I noticed you also have workshops. What, 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 and you're probably not doing them now because of COVID, but probably will right. be at some point in the near yeah. future what what does that entail and how do people sign up for that it, it's not it's not countrywide or nationwide right it's probably just in your area. no um in fact um i usually do those through organizations that bring me in uh, like a senior center or a library or um uh, even a place of business that bring me in to do a retirement preparation workshop um, these days i do a lot of um, public speaking uh, mostly on Zoom now, but um, 
I speak in all kinds of different situations. I've spoken in a number of rotary clubs and um, organizations like um, financial planning associations and estate planning associations because a lot of them just don't really realize that how large the phenomenon of solo aging is. So that's my my mission in life is to raise awareness about solo aging and to promote the idea of planning and building community. Well, that's a great thing, and thank you for that. But I know that you are uh, pretty much, um, I don't want to say uh, alone in that uh, that uh, field, but you're certainly one of the few people that are out there giving these talks. We need to scale you up so that you can uh, be more accessible to more people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I have a couple of colleagues that are um, getting more heavily into it. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm still... I coined the term solo wager and I'm happy to see it kind of taking off now. So that's a good thing. That is a great thing because it, it, awareness is the biggest part of, uh, you know, the first step in, in really plan in solving any problem is to be aware of it and to know that it exists. And as I, I guess, bringing it back full circle to where we started, I said, most people don't even consider um, the fact that, we always think that there's going to be somebody there for us. And mm -hmm. uh, especially if you don't have children and if you're in a re uh, marriage or a relationship with somebody, it's a good chance one of you is not going to make it and you, the other one is going to have 10 or 20 years uh, without that person. So you have to kind of put That's some, right. as painful as that it is, we have to kind of consider it and think, think about, about it. it. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Well, I thank you for this time today, and I hope we've uh, made an impact on somebody and, and uh, inspired somebody to kind of uh, take some action and start planning on this stuff. I guess that's all we can really hope for, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I thank you for this time, and I, I definitely uh, uh, wish you great success in the future and, and, and a healthy, long life. And you know, if there's anything we can do to um, whether help you get the word out or uh, maybe uh, do some you know, correspondence with some of our financial estate planners where you might be a good adjunct to what they do. Uh, we could put sure. you in touch with some, some of those people. I would be happy to do that. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. This has been a very enjoyable hour. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Uh, and uh, continued success and have a great day. And bye Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by Put Me in the Story. Put Me in the Story creates personalized books for kids by taking best-selling children's picture books and well-loved characters and allowing you to create personalized books that make your child the star of the story alongside their favorite characters. Save 25% store-wide when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code SAVE25. We're also sponsored by Lovely. Lovely is your online stop for modern, irresistible, and affordable women's clothing. Never before has dressing yourself been so easy. Lovely's carefully curated selection of apparel, accessories, and outerwear are always on trend and always available at the web's best prices. Lovely is dedicated to delivering high-quality clothing to women that will make them look and feel their best. They believe every woman has the right to dress well and shouldn't have to spend a lot to love how she looks. They make it easy to wear outfits you love every day, giving you the confidence to take on the world. Lovely.com summer fashion trends are now 40% off, starting at just $5.99. Get an extra 18% off when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code JFT18. We're also sponsored by VaporDNA. Founded in 2013, VaporDNA is the premier online vape store offering an industry-leading selection of electronic cigarettes, e-liquids, and accessories. Their friendly and knowledgeable customer service team is always ready to provide the best customer service experience to ensure you find what you're looking for. They guarantee their products to be 100% genuine and at the lowest possible price. They're so confident in their selection and customer service, they offer their customers a 45-day refund policy. Save 20% when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code OrionQ. Dr. Sarah Zeff-Geber, folks. Uh, 
great, great, important stuff today. Uh, and it was, I'm right. It was kind of a break from the news cycle. And uh, I'm glad we had that. I hope you enjoyed this program. I hope you uh, will take something away from it that is positive and uh, can add value to your life. Uh, I hope you'll come back and tell your friends about it and sign up and go to my YouTube channel and subscribe there. Go to minddogtv.com. If you want to send me hate mail, it's always info at minddogtv.com or also questions and comments mindogtv.com. I am off for tonight because I have a gig with the Rockin' 45s, a dinner gig, uh, and I'm not having a show tomorrow because it's Saturday and we're really not trying to do weekends too much anymore. And uh, my next show will be actually Sunday night, which was I did not want to do Sunday night programs. As I just said, we don't want to do weekends anymore. But I have Larry J, who's a uh, musician uh, from MTS uh management who will be with us on sunday night to promote his newest work uh that's 8 p.m sunday until then i'm at apple for the mind dog tv podcast thanks for coming have a great day and bye for now we've been up and down this road of life together we've seen some sunny days and been through nasty weather but after all this time it keeps on getting better because we share one thing that we know will never grow old. And you know that you're the one I'm thinking of Everything's aligned in the stars above And everything is cool when we're making Cats and dogs say things that we don't mean I like the makeup sex that happens in between And you know, you're still the best thing that these eyes have ever seen And when the lights go down, I'll show you what I mean And you know, and you know that you're the one I'm thinking of Everything's aligned in the stars Seem to last forever You know it all